0: Scripture this morning comes from the second chapter of John, verses 13 through 22. Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle, He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show for us doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and in three days... I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. It's God's word for us this morning this uh, I think is one of the, the more challenging scriptures uh, sections of scripture to, to preach a sermon on because the context in many ways is so far removed from the from what we experience today uh, we obviously don't go to the temple we come to the sanctuary we come to first Christian church to worship just as people uh, all over the country and all over the world have gone to their places of worship this morning but we don't really understand temple worship uh, in the way that Jews uh, celebrate that and in the way that Jews worship even today. We are uh, removed from that context. We don't really understand uh, why there were people there selling animals in front of the temple in Jesus' time. Uh, that seems strange to us. We don't really understand what the money changers were doing there. That, that seems totally foreign to us. What would people be doing? Essentially operating a currency exchange in front of the temple. Those things are, are alien to us when we read this story. And because they're alien, uh, it may be a good question on our minds and, and uh, on our lips... What was Jesus so upset about? Why was he angry? And most of the sermons that I've heard preached on these scriptures, and I've probably done it a time, at least a time or two myself over the years, although I'll be honest with you, I've tried to avoid these particular scriptures because of the difficulty in preaching. But most of the time, it's easy just to boil it down to uh, Jesus got angry, and Jesus was mad, and we caricature the uh, reason that he was mad because of these uh, people that were making the temple a marketplace. And the other thing that we do is we use that, Jesus' anger, to justify the fact that we get mad. And so when we get angry, and of course our, our, our anger is always righteous, you know, we, we only get mad because we're right and somebody else is obviously wrong. So it's okay for us to get angry because Jesus got angry. And we justify our own anger in that way. But there's some, some things here about the, the story that uh, perhaps add a little context to it. It's still difficult to understand after we had that context exactly what Jesus was mad about. Because it's Passover in these verses that we just read. And during Passover, Jewish folk from from all over the uh, known world or the area that uh, you know was uh, uh, far enough away uh, that it was uh, quite a distance for some Jewish folk to travel to Jerusalem for. Uh, The pilgrimage that they were asked to make during Passover, go to the temple, go to the holy city, uh, get there, Uh, because part of their worship experience was the offer of sacrifice, animals, Uh, they had to have animals once they got there. They couldn't carry the animals with them, didn't want to drive the cattle, you know, a hundred miles to get to Jerusalem to be sacrificed so they were in the market for animals once they got there they had to have animals in order to fulfill the requirements of passive sacrifice that was made so uh, animals were made available to them conveniently right outside the temple before they would go to worship they had to make offering monetarily They were able to do that, but they couldn't offer Roman or Greek currency because it had the head of the emperor on it, human image. So they couldn't offer that human image, that coinage in the temple. They had to go to a money changer and get currency that was acceptable, Jewish currency. And so they do that. So the things they were doing and the services that they were being provided with had to be provided. Or they couldn't worship in the temple. So in John, Jesus appears on the scene in this uh, picture of rage and drives the animals away and turns over the tables. And the question that we might want to ask is why? Why? What was he so upset about? Well, perhaps he was upset because of what the Passover and because of what temple worship generally had become. A ritual, a tradition observed, a a definition put on that particular tradition that, that located God only in that place and no other. Perhaps the loss of of a sense that God was located there at all. This is just something we have to do. Just like every Sunday, we come in here and uh, we have the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. We sing the Gloria Patra after the call to worship every Sunday or almost every Sunday. We sing the doxology after communion because we always sing the doxology after communion. And the question for us might be, do we pay any attention to that? Or is that just something we do because we know we have to do it? It's in the bulletin. It's on the screen. It's time for that to happen. Perhaps Jesus was upset because the people had lost their sense of awe and their wonder and their, their, really, their sense that God was present. That the place that they had come was a sacred place, a holy place. And just going through the process, buying the sacrifice, animal for sacrifice, getting your money changed out, going into the temple and doing the things that you do, at Passover time, but in the whole process, uh, maybe having lost a sense of wonder about God. Had everything just become too convenient. Uh, paraphrasing Winston Churchill, Winston Churchill said, We shape our spaces, and then our spaces shape us. We can become devoted to, to our spaces. We can associate so strongly with the places that we worship, the spaces that we worship in, that perhaps the the place, the temple, becomes more important to us than the fact that God is present with us. So we choose all kinds of places to worship. We come in here. To this church, it's it's pretty obvious that you're in a church. There are things that indicate that quite readily, the windows that have religious symbols on them, the communion table, the cross, all those things indicate you're in church. There are other places you can go, and you can walk in and, and feel like you're in any auditorium anywhere in the in the country that you might might happen to walk into. There might be very little there other than what happens when worship starts that would indicate that you're in a church, that you're in a sacred place. We have battles over worship styles. We, uh, we get so wedded or we can become so wedded to one particular style of worship that we can't imagine that God might be present if we worshipped in a different way, if we worshipped in a, in a different style. And that's been going on in the church in the United States for almost three decades now. Battles over whether you should have drums uh, in the sanctuary. Conflicts. Sometimes a conflict is great enough that people divide or leave. Conflicts over the style of worship. Should it be uh, contemporary or should it be more traditional? And perhaps Jesus got upset because those same kind of arguments were happening in his time. Or there'd been a loss of sense of God's presence. So anytime you're having that kind of discussion, you have to ask yourself, where's God in all of this? I mean... Didn't we come here this morning and didn't you guys walk across uh, basically the frozen pond that is uh, called North Street out there (laughs) to come in here and worship God? That's why you came. That's why you're here. Your hope and your expectation, I hope, was that when you came into this worship experience, you'd experience God's presence either through the songs that we sing, or the prayers that have been offered, the sermon that's been preached, the communion that we will celebrate, that you will experience. You came here, hopefully, with the expectation that you'd experience God. Perhaps that's what Jesus was upset about. So he takes action, turns over the tables, his purpose is not to show that Jesus gets angry. But in what He did, Jesus quite literally shook the foundations of the worship experience. When He turned the tables over, when He, he said, this is, this is ridiculous. Are we going, uh, you know, going after, after form? And we've forgotten the reason that we're here. So he turns tables over and he drives cattle out and he challenges the authority the religious authority at that time, the religious ritual at that time, he challenges all that and in so doing he points to his own authority see in the gospel of John here's what happens it's different from one of the synoptics, the first three gospels in the New Testament, but just take, for example, the Gospel of Mark. In the Gospel of Mark, when Jesus does something miraculous that would reveal who He is, His authority. Usually, what happens is, in Mark is we find we hear uh, the we uh, in the words of Scripture, the crowd is amazed, the people are astonished at His teaching. They wonder who this is. Jesus in the Gospel of Mark will often say, "Don't tell anybody about this. My time has not yet come." And then you move on to the next story. Till Jesus at the cross and the resurrection is finally revealed. That's not the case. John, the very first chapter. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then John goes on to say, And the Word became flesh. There is no doubt who you are reading about when you pick up the Gospel of John. John tells you in the very first chapter, there's nothing hidden about Jesus and who Jesus is. So that when Jesus comes to the temple, Jesus challenges the religious establishment, challenges the church in this way. The location is not the building. The location is not in the ritual. The location is not in the tradition, whatever the tradition may be, or in the music. We hope that God is present in all of that, but the location, what? What gives spirit to all that is the authority of the person of Christ. So Jesus points toward himself when he comes to the temple. All that which you are trying to seek and all that which you are trying to find and trying to know about God, first look to me. First look to the temple. The temple that is my body. So Jesus goes on to say, uh, confusing us even further, and particularly the people in His time, uh, He makes that statement about the temple. You're going to tear the temple down. This tent, The temple is going to be torn down in three days, and uh, in three days it will, ri- it will rise. It will be rebuilt. And people hearing this, who had any sense of history, or they could just look at the building... Say, look, they uh, laid the cornerstone to this church in 1954. To this temple, and it took us about two, or three years to build it, and uh, that doesn't even count the amount of money we had to raise, start raising to do that, and you know, and the amount of time it took after we already built it to pay it off. So you're not going to. Uh, what do you mean this thing's going to be torn down? And then three days later it will be rebuilt for the folks contemporary to Jesus time 46 years what it says in the gospel it took them 46 years to get to the point that they where they were to build it uh, what are you talking about what do you mean you're going to tear this down in three days and then somehow you're going to rebuild this uh, the fourth day third day Jesus then points to the uh, resurrection, or is pointing to the resurrection. In verse 22, and this word that he gives about the uh, location of the temple the temple is my body. That is uh, the revelation of God. But look at verse 22, because the disciples are watching all of this, they're hearing all of this. And they're just as confused as anybody, anybody else that's there or that we may be this morning. But here's what they say. Or here's what John says. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this about the temple three days and then being restored. And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Memory is a good thing. Uh, doing the same thing, being repetitive, it's not a bad thing. If we know why we're doing it, we focus on that. At some point in, in our time in our life, uh, we may need those words. We may, we may need to remember a few years ago I read some stories about POWs, Vietnam era POWs. And one of the consistent themes in those stories was, was what got them through. Because that was the question how, how did you endure them? How did you get through them? How were you able to survive? And more often than not, in recounting those stories, here's what those prisoners of war would say. Well, as I was sitting in my cell in isolation, after uh, perhaps being beaten, as I was sitting in in that cell alone, uh, I'd remember the Lord's Prayer. I'd remember uh, songs that we used to sing in church when I was a kid. Doxology. Doxology. Some favorite him, and I'd start singing, or I'd start praying the Lord's Prayer. And in, in those moments, oftentimes, I experience God's presence in that cell uh, in a more uh, profound way, in a deeper way, in a more blessed way than, than perhaps I ever experienced in church. But One of those fellows said, if I hadn't been in church, hadn't devoted myself to seeking God, I would have never had the opportunity to form that memory. The memory that I needed exactly at that time in my life in order to get through. So, if for no other reason, if you're here this morning, to hear again that which you've heard many times. Know that at some point in your life and maybe those points in life have ever ha- already happened to you. That just at that moment that you need words the most, God through the power of His Holy Spirit, through the presence of Jesus Christ, will bring those words to you. Will bring that presence to you. In the power of the resurrection, you'll remember God will bless you. And for you, that will become a sacred place. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for all that uh, Christ is and all that Christ does in our life. Lord, we thank you for the way that you bless us through Christ's presence. God, we pray that we might be open to the movement of that spirit. This morning, this day, this week. In Christ's name, amen.